Hi, welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Carol Tuttle here with The Child Whisperer. Appreciate everybody tuning in. This is The Child Whisperer Podcast. I am live, able to take your questions today, so make sure you call in at 347-677-1963, and I want to help you with your parenting needs today. So today we're talking about, my last live podcast, I talked about taking the struggle out of chores. And today we're going to look specifically at the type one fun-loving child, how to help motivate this child to do chores. I'm going to focus specifically on chores today, and we'll take on the topic of homework another time. But I want to start with a success story, and this is from a type one mom. And she writes, I'm a type one mom of four kids, and I finally found myself, thanks to dressing your truth. Three of my kids are type 1s, and one of them is a type 2. My 9-year-old type 1 daughter, who I've struggled with since she was 18 months old, cleaned her room yesterday in only 15 minutes without my help. I told her I trusted her when she said it was done, and I didn't even check it. She usually shoves clothes in the drawers, but I didn't get mad or make her redo it. I'm just glad it was off the floor. It's a compromise, but it really is okay. This weekend, I only asked my kids to do one chore. Then I gave them a long break before I had them do another chore. By the end of the day, they'd all helped me with three to four chores, and we got a lot done. Nobody was overwhelmed, and it stayed light. Thank you so much for this information. And I want to say something in regards to the success story, because mom's a type one energy. She needed to keep it light. It gets very heavy for type one moms with the chore experience because you probably don't want to do them yourself anyway. I mean, it's just not, it's not your go-to activity to say, yeah, let's go clean the bathroom. That sounds like fun. So the fact that you kept it light motivated everybody else. You stayed in your true energy and that helped them stay in their true energy. So let's look at the type one child today. This is a fun loving child. This is the child that we call fun loving because their first connection to the world is social. They have the ability to connect and disconnect easily, both from activities, from people, ideas. They bring a light, buoyant energy to the space that they're in. Now, if they've not, if you're a parent of a type 1 child and you've not known this about them and they're 7, 8 years older and beyond, they may have adapted to your parenting strategy so much that they're not light and buoyant and they're resistant in the chore area. And so... To them, got to help nurture the type 1 energy to come alive again in them and, and not expect it to necessarily happen in the chore space. So the first consideration is my child really living true to their nature. And if your type 1 child is not living true to their nature, don't uh, chores is not the place to try and execute that. You need to support them in other facets of their life. Are they having fun with friends? Are they getting out and, and experiencing new people, um, new opportunities. Do they have something to look forward to in their life? That's a real motivator for a type one. And so let's just say you're stuck a little bit and you're frustrated as a parent. And how do you now help this type one child? If they're younger, you're, you're, if they're eight and younger, you have more, they're more pliable in a sense. They're more influenced. They're more influenced by this shift in your parenting awareness. And so think in those terms of um, there needs to be some correction for older children and there needs to be some setup for younger children to support them. And a mom wrote into me and she said, 
that her eight-year-old daughter is a type one and she has a hard time getting rid of anything. She says her secondary is a two. She gets piles all over her room. She's very artistic, but gets overwhelmed about the mess. And um, the mom gets overwhelmed because the mom's a type four and she hasn't found a good way to help her manage it. She's beginning to avoid certain artistic activities because they're messy and she really wants her to be creative and expressing herself. And so she's made a point to help her encourage her in her art, even if it makes a big mess. And so in that particular scenario, you have to have a, um, you're, there's a lot of behavioral training for follow through when it comes to type one children. And so behavioral training is to follow through that the activity is not done until the mess is cleaned up. And so executing it from the origin, the activity to the cleanup is part of the strategy of the behavioral training for parents of type one children to help support them in that closure completion and then giving them praise and verbal reward for the completion of follow through. Make sure that you're giving verbal rewards for their capacity to follow through on their own initiative. Verbal rewards are very powerful in any type child's life. Praise, validation, recognition, noticing little things in the type one child's life of their capacity to follow through, see it through, get the job done. And noticing the ones that aren't as critical. So you first have to have a differentiation between what are the items I want my type one child to really create a really um, a capacity and a strength for follow through? What are the things that I need to let them drop the ball on? What are the things I need to overlook? Because they have to have some capacity of disconnecting from some activities and not following through because they just aren't designed for 100% follow through. Now, you might think, well, that seems unreasonable or that's not good um, that's not a good human trait but that's just their nature to start some things and not finish and so you've got to help them navigate this tendency to say what are the things I want my type 1 child to be able to have a strength and follow through on so that they can perform well in school they can be responsible in their commitments to other people help catch them too to say are you sure you want to agree to do that are you sure you want to commit to that you know what's your level of commitment here, how much does that, you know, walk it through with them in their mind. When you get to this stage, are you going to still be interested? Help them learn about their tendency so they can catch themselves at the front end by saying no to things they need to say no to, what they can let go of that needs to be let go of, that it's not a big deal, and what are the things they need to gain strength on follow through that you can nurture them. And so, um, make sure you pay attention to that. Now, my next idea is enrolling them and making things light and fun. Too often, parents of type 1 children think, I need to make everything light and fun for my child. Well, if you're not a type 1 energy, that could be a challenge because you don't bring that naturally, and that can be exhausting. So your type 1 child, the fun-loving child, has a gift for making anything light and fun. So you need to enroll them in applying their gift when it comes to chores. So parents that are putting all of that um, initiation of making it light and fun on themselves, that's backwards. It's not your role to come up with fun ideas for your type one child. Now your role, your, it's not your gift, but you certainly can initiate that conversation, initiate that potential by enrolling them. And so your ability to support them in coming up with ideas to make chores light and fun. 
So if you're struggling with a type 1 child to do chores, first evaluate if this feels heavy to your type. What's heavy about it? Is emptying the dishwasher heavy? And is there a lot of, what's the language like, the conversation like around it? Is there a lot of yelling? Is there a lot of push? Is there a lot of discipline? Is there just this, it's just overwhelming for everyone? And that's not going to be light and fun. And so switch the language. Here are some phrases. And this will be in the blog post when this goes live later this week. This will be in the copy in the blog post on the childwhisper.com blog. How can you make loading the dishwasher more light and fun? Give me two ideas. How can you make this more light and fun? So stop, if they're complaining, just bam, right there. How can you make loading the dishwasher more light and fun? I don't know. I don't. Two ideas. Come on. Two ideas. How can we make this a game? You're really good at this. Come up with a game for me. I'd love to hear two ideas you have that would make cleaning your room a game. Give me two ideas. So you're enrolling their imagination. You're enrolling their capacity for ideas. You're getting them off of the heavy, I don't want to do this, complaining kind of energy. I know you prefer to have someone do things with you. What's your idea that would include mom or dad or assembling and getting the bathroom clean? See, they're going to be more motivated if they can do it with someone. So what chores can they be strategically doing with another person? You, mom, dad, a sibling. Maybe they have a type one friend. And that type one friend, they can go to help each other with their chores at their house. And then they can do something fun after. And what's something... Um, Let's create something you can look forward to that what you can go do when this chore is done. See, the motivator will not be getting the chore done. The motivator is, what can I look forward to after this is done? I'm going to go do that. Oh, I'm going to get this done so I can go do that. Type 1 people need things to look forward to in their life to motivate them through what feels like drudgery, what feels like structure, and it feels like just things you have to do in life. And so it moves them through those tasks. So they say, yeah, when I get this done, I get to go do that. And so those are all ideas to help shift the energy, phrases you can use. Then say, which idea do you want to use? Which one do you want? Then can you get that chore done without stopping? Or would you like to do a portion of it, take a short break and finish it? Let them be empowered by this and make them own it. Be accountable for this. You know, maybe they need to write it out on it. Mom, yes. Mom, dad, I agree that I will get this portion of this chore done in 15 minutes. I'm going to put a timer on. Then I'm going to take a 10-minute break. Then I'm going to come back to it, and I'm going to finish it in the next 20 minutes. And you see that they'll follow through. You know, say, okay, it's your job to follow through now. You know, follow through on that. Okay, do you think we need a consequence if you choose not to follow through? All right, what's your reward if you do, what do you want to create as your reward to have something to look forward to to follow when you follow through? And then praise, 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 praise. Look at you. Look how you follow through on that. That's amazing. I love how you did that. You make that so much fun. I love that about you. And so those are the praise and congratulations after a chore well done. And after time, this will become a routine and a natural way for your type 1 child that they'll just approach these kinds of life, you know, things that we have to do in life, managing space, 
managing our homes. Make sure you listen to the podcast from two weeks ago, how to take the struggle out of chores, because you want to change the language around this. You want to make it just something we do. You know, we do this because we love and appreciate what we own. We love and appreciate our home. We love and appreciate this toilet. We love and appreciate these dishes. Appreciation really empowers your family to just get the tasks done that need to be done. So at that point, you can enroll chore boards and charts can be useful to your type one child to know what is expected of them. But if you need to back up and implement this kind of strategy to shift this, to turn it around, to flip it, so that your type one child is motivated from their energy, their nature, their gift, this is behavioral training. And they're going to be competent. My daughter-in-law, Jalea, who's our type one dressing your truth expert, her mother, who's a type four, did a great job raising her, allowing her to stay in her fun-loving, spontaneous, bright energy. She praises her mother for this. And Jalea has great follow-through capacity. She's acknowledged at work constantly for her ability to get a job done, do it well. And she's always got something to look forward to during her week, in her month, in her life. And that propels her forward because the jobs aren't always fun for her, but she stays light and pleasant and she knows where the fun is in her life. So I'm going to keep the podcast going. You can call in, look for all my Facebook fans. Keep listening at blog talk blog. Go to the link in the copy. You can also call in today at 347-677-1963. I'll be taking your live questions. And thanks for listening in and make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. And please, I know, you know, a parent that's struggling with a type one child, send this podcast to them, say, listen, learn about your child. This whole thing can change. So it's easy. Thanks for watching everyone on Facebook. Let's keep going with our first email question that came in. And you've got a question that's not um, about the struggles of chores for a type one child. That's fine. You can still call in today. This first question is my husband, five-year-old son and I are all type ones. How can I help our family stay on top of the more grown-up things in life? We seem to instinctively disconnect until things get out of hand and it begins to affect our day-to-day life. Some hints would be much appreciated. Well, the fact that you know that you are type one energy, you're the happy-go-lucky family, the three of you, you're happy-go-lucky. So have you talked to your husband about this? And your five-year-old son certainly is getting old enough to start enrolling him in this conversation. I would say that you need to decide what are the few things you want to, similar to what I've just spoken about, about creating successes with follow-throughs. So don't try and take everything on at once. Maybe pick two or three items that you want to make sure that you stay on top of, that you follow through on. You need to build on this momentum. You need to see some successes. I think your possibilities approach to life, you think you, in your hopeful nature, you'll say, yes, I'm just going to change it all. I'm going to get it all done. I'm going to flip this. I'm going to do my, you know, whole day differently. And you won't. And so those, notice your tendency to overcommit yourself and over uh, enroll yourself with your hope and poss- your possibilities and hope that you're really convinced you're going to do it different and w- catch that and go, 
Oh, I probably won't. So what's one thing today I can fall? What's presenting itself to want the most attention to stay on top of? What are you paying the biggest price on for not staying on top of it? That's what you want to start with. Start with that and create good follow through and reward yourself with praise. Enroll your husband in this and your five-year-old son. And if you each have a different priority, that's fine. Or maybe you decide together on the same one thing, one, two, or at the most three things. I keep it down to one or two. That you then have something. What's your reward? What do you have to look forward to that you're going to reward yourself with as a success that you followed through and you stayed on top of it? Let's go to the phone lines and see who we've got calling in today. Hi. This is, can't quite, my screen's cutting off your name. This is, is it Emily? Yes. Okay. Okay. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Okay, it says in my notes, you're a type 4 mom, and you have uh-huh. a type 1 9-year-old child, and you have a success yeah, that's story. That's my son. Oh, yeah, wonderful. Yeah, he is so fun. <laughs> oh, thank he, you. Um, I'm, glad, I'm so happy yeah. to hear you say that about him. That's wonderful. He really is. He really does lighten up everything. When I first heard everything about Child Whisperer, I knew he was the one. So Yeah. Um, <laughs> he... He has this great imagination. He has a pretend name every time we're doing certain things. His name's Jack. His real name's not Jack, but that's his pretend name, his play name. And if we need to do chores, I call Jack. I pretend call him. <laughs> he's not yeah. He's done this for a couple of years, and he's just so fun. I say, hey, Jack, I've got these things that need to be done. Oh, I'll get my workers. And he, so he will get in there and get favor- it done. That's really, he responds really favorably to that then. Yeah, he That's great. It seems like it's fun, and he's kind of in charge of it because it's his okay. idea. And so if I say, okay, guys, we got chores to do, he's like, hey, Mom, well, you got to call me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you got to call Jack. <laughs> so, and he, and yeah. has he ever presented any resistance to anything? You know how we've got – I've got a lot of moms saying, ah, that they're stuck. Did this – were you having issues before you knew all this? And this oh, kind yeah. of switched it around. <laughs> He's always wanted to be helpful because, you know, type ones like to make yeah. people happy. But yeah. it wasn't more, it was more for making us happy, not for like, oh, this is really that fun. <laughs> right. And I've right. had resistance even here and there if it does get too heavy, like you said. And I'm a four, his dad's a three, and we can get pretty heavy. <laughs> But so you can he, just read the energy yeah. I'm thinking, sensing now. You can feel it. It feels heavy yep. and rigid. And then he can't move yep. as readily. Yeah. And if, if we say you have to stay here and do this chore the whole way through and just, da-da, you know, strip, yeah. do it this way, da da da, he's just like, what? And then he just plays the whole time. And then his dad's like, right. what? You've been in there for two hours and you're not done. You know why? And he's you like, know, that's, well, I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're pointing that out because that's his, when it's so heavy and rigid, he's trying to create some balance. You know, he's trying to, he can't move forward with it. It's like he's stifled. So 
That's so perfect. Yeah, he definitely feels, yeah. Yeah, most parents would then discipline him for, you know, two hours of goofing around, you know. And sometimes, yeah, he gets in trouble and we, you know, sometimes we're just, ah, what do we do? But I try, my, I keep trying and I'm trying to educate my husband more and we've, we talk a lot about this. He thinks I'm cuckoo sometimes, but I do, <laughs> I do a lot of energy work and try to just help everyone to understand, right. you know, this is his type. We yeah. can't make it too heavy. Otherwise he's just going to yeah. not even want to do it. And then he's going to hate us forever. Just trying to yeah. force him. Well, he just feels like he's his natural energy is a weakness then, rather than a strength. So, right, yeah, yeah. he is fun though. That's great. Um, well, but thank if you. I, I have time. Uh huh. I was just going to ask a question about my type three one year old if I have time. Yeah, go ahead, real quick. Okay, so my type three one year old he he is super active and he is very fun and very funny, huge personality. Um, but when he gets either someone says, oh, let's not do that. Let's do this and steer him away somewhere else. He gets really upset and he has a tantrum and he tends to bang his head on the floor or Uh on anything that's in front of him. And Uh I don't know if that's like his energy is so big. He doesn't know what to do with it. And I'm not (laughs) helping him channel it. Right. I just don't know. That, um, that, age I would say that type one when they start to move in the type three I'm sorry type three children especially when they start moving they're one years old they're starting to move around in the world and their energy is bigger than them and they have to grow into it so there's a lot of redirecting that energy channel you know really getting that energy engaged in the appropriate scenarios and not putting them in situations that they can't manage well that they have to sit quietly for long periods of time or other people are um, really uh, misunderstanding this child's nature so that they, it makes you uncomfortable because they, you feel that they're disruptive. So you're just dealing with a very young type three child where the energy, they don't have the consciousness obviously, or the reasonability for you to dialogue with them about it. It's just making sure your environment supports them and that you just, have to handle that big energy occasionally that presents itself. So my next caller is Jane. She is also a type four mom. Hi, Jane. Hi, Carol. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I'm good. And you have a type four 14 year old, it says here. I do. And it's been so interesting because when he was little, We used to have a lot of physical touch, like we'd sit in a chair and read together or I'd hold his hand when we were going someplace or, you know, he was just fine with a lot of touch. And as he's gotten older, he doesn't want that as much, which I understand, you know, he's, he'll kind of pull away from a hug or stuff like that, which feels like it's normal. But what is interesting is that it seems to me that he almost still craves that physical touch and wants it, but he doesn't know Mm. how to get it appropriately. So he'll, like, mm-hmm. come up behind me and kick me, or he'll poke me, or he'll just, like, drape mm-hmm. his arm over the top of my head, or just something that's just kind of awkward and random. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I call the, quir- the quirky side of a type 4 person. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, and so it's funny because it's like sometimes I'll kind of tease him. I'll be like, oh, Josh wants to cuddle, and so I'll wrap my arm around him, and then, of course, he'll squirm well, away. That, and, no, no, I don't want that. <laughs> will that happen, or are other people around when you say that? Um, sometimes yes, and sometimes no. And so I'm kind yeah, of like, exactly, I don't really know how to support gonna, him in maybe getting the physical touch that he needs when he most of the time doesn't want it. Yeah, that's embarrassing to him. Okay. So don't respond that way. This yeah. is a private situation for him. Even if you're the only two, that's making light of it. Kind of feels like mm-hmm. it's being ridiculed. So he's being. Okay. That's going to anger him. That yeah. that's not okay. And my little type four grandson, who's only eight, he doesn't even want his mom to kiss him. You know. <laughs> and I said, well, maybe you need to tell him that. You know privately work this out. I think you need to have a private conversation and help him become educated as to the need of appropriate just um, contact from parents. Mm-hmm. And if he, how would he, you know, that there's something he needs and you want to support him with that, would you prefer to do that um, in the privacy of your room? I want to be able to give you a hug at night. I want, you mm-hmm. need this. It's a human need. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you want to get that need met? Would you prefer it to be private? Um, you know, or is it just uncomfortable for you to have it done in public or even outside your privacy of your own room? Find out with mm-hmm. him, and I think he'll be fine okay. if you set up some options and do. I, my sense is he needs it to be private, and even mm-hmm. the conversation needs to be private. But he needs to be educated that that's appropriate still that his mother give him a hug or is able to just reach out and make a connection to him, how would he prefer that happen? Let him okay. give you those preferences. So. Yeah, so just to have a private conversation with him and ask yes. him what he would like. Yes. Uh-huh. And educate, we're doing, him, that uh-huh. educate him that there's a need for this still in his human development. And so he feels okay that he needs that and just try think to figure out what's comfortable. He may think he doesn't. But I think that's kind of what it is. Does. Yeah, because we sort of talked about it a little bit before, where he's kind of like, "Well, yeah, don't touch me," <laughs> you know. And we'll yeah, still, I, I, I we still have like at bedtime. Yeah, I just mm-hmm. think it's not happened in a private level for him. Okay, it's just like it's too embarrassing for him that other people see that. Yeah, or even yeah, you need to approach it as a private conversation. You need to say, "I want to have a very personal conversation with you." Okay. So. Yeah, yeah, that right. makes sense. I think we'll give that a try. Thank you so much. Thanks for calling in. Alicia, type 1 mom, is calling in. Hi, Alicia. Hi, Carol. Thank you, you have so much. A type... I'm really excited. Oh, good. Thanks. You've got a type 3 mm-hmm. 6-year-old that represses feelings. Won't show weakness. What does that look like? Well, I kind of noticed her doing it when she would grow up, if she would fall and get hurt. Um, it, she would. I would just see her shoving it down and not allowing herself to cry. Or if she would get mad if I asked her, "Did that hurt? Are you okay?" She'd kind of like just brush it away. So I didn't hone right in on it, but it's always been on my radar. And now, like if we watch, let's say, a boy cartoon that maybe has a little scary part, and I look over at her, I can see it's affecting her. But if I ask her about it, she won't tell me. She won't say that scares me or I'm not sure if she thinks it's weakness or she doesn't want to show it but it's just kind of a suppressing feeling 
Sarah Mae, do you know what her secondary is? I don't. Because see, my guess is the one, but I kind of. I well, the conversation I just so. <laughs> very type one of you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> type, type one moms struggle with profiling their children sometimes because you see so many possibilities. Right. Right. And you do it. They do. You do it with yourself, and you do it with other people. Go, well, maybe I'm. Maybe <laughs> this. Why did she just oh, really true. throw it down to facial features and body language? Um, right. I know. Well, yeah. The the nature what you're describing, like I just talked to the other mom about, is that there can be some sense of embarrassment there. Mm-hmm. And she's trying not to look weak or be draw attention to herself. She doesn't right. want that kind of attention. So that needs to be the fact that you're doing it while it's happening is awkward mm. for her. Awkward. It's like wow. I don't want to talk about this right now. And make your you know, put me on the spot. I'm feeling awkward. Oh, that's right exactly the it. in the moment in the moment yes that's yeah. it embarrassed and now that makes her want to sh- like what you're drawing attention to me okay no no i you should that's what's uncomfortable. <laughs> totally okay uh that's exactly it. it's always in the moment well of course when she got hurt when she's little it was in the moment but with right, the movies right. and things too it's in the moment yeah that's very yeah. embarrassing she just pushes it away yeah. So for her, whatever reason, her emotions more of a private matter. She doesn't want you like, okay. oh, look at you, you're having emotions. Oh, you're repressing yeah. it. Oh, why are you doing that? Yeah. And you're like, hey, now I'm okay. feeling the worst. <laughs> okay, I I played into that, didn't I? Okay. That's okay. Okay. Just so again. I just need to have a private conversation on the yeah. side about future events, but I can't apologize. Apologize to her that you've been putting her on the spot. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. Let her know you rec- let her know you recognize that you've been ma- you know making her feel uncomfortable with just in the moment drawing oh. attention to it. That'll Okay. You'll, you okay. will uh there'll be that'll be a bonding opportunity if you do that. Mm. So that will. Thank you so much. And then just You're talk welcome. about future like if you do come across a movie that makes you feel uncomfortable how can I help you through it? Or what would you like? Yeah. Or are you real? I don't if she really is, if it's a big deal to her. Okay. Maybe okay. Cause I feel like deal. she wouldn't tell me even in private, maybe like even that too, too invasive. Well, you know, don't make such a big deal about it. Just kind of keep it. Okay. You know, just say, Hey, like, I'm here for you. You know, I'm here to okay. support you. Okay. Support Okay. So, yeah, thanks for calling in. Perfect. Thank you. Got another email question. Uh, this mom writes in, I have four kids ages four to nine years old. Three of them are type one energies and one is a type two energy. I'm a type four mom and I need so much order and quiet time to be happy that my children are often not able to express their higher energy as often as they'd like. I'm trying to relax and pull back to let them be themselves, but I'm afraid I'll lose myself in the process and things will get out of order again. How can I manage all of this so that we can all be happy and I can still keep sanity in my home? So make sure you listen to the podcast called Five Mistakes to Type 4 Mom Makes. That's an earlier show. You can find it in the archives. You can always go to iTunes.com forward slash Carol Tuttle and subscribe to my podcast and find all of the shows archived there. 
But your need for order needs to be, um, I think you need to evaluate your order. Your need, if everything in your home, everything, every part and function of your home needs to have order, that will not support the type, you have three type one children. And even your type two will feel this rigidity and this structure that they have to operate in. So what can you let go of more to let, and even say, I'm letting this become disorderly. And what space do you require order that's more personal or private? Let, let's say if you're to bring down the order 20 to 30%, you're going to let go of 20 to 30% of it. What could you let go of? You're going to see it as disorderly. You have to understand that not all humans relate to their environment and the management of their space like you do. And so I hear a lot of type one adults over the years that had type four parents. The type one adult will think they're a type four because of this learned behavior of needing things to be ordered and perfect. And they lose themselves to their type four parents approach to life. Another blog post I highly recommend you read is, are you um, raising a child or managing a home? Because your order is in the need of the management of your home. And see, for you to say, I need, you said in here, I need so much order and quiet time to be happy. I would release your happiness from that requirement I am happy no matter what. I'm because happy is an interstate. It should not be dependent on your outer environment. In fact, what if you're to let more things go to become disorderly just to see how happy you could be? But you've attached your state of being to this management of your space, which your children are subconsciously reading. I have to ha keep everything neat and tidy and orderly if I'm going to have a happy mom. You know, that's not fair to your kids. Chill parents need to choose into happiness in spite of the management of their space and their preference for order. Your happiness needs to be released from this condition. So your children can see they get a happy mom no matter the conditions and the order. I've still got the phone lines open. If you have a question, you need to push, push on number one on your phone so I can see you in my switchboard. Another email question uh, from a type one mom. She says, I'm a type one mother with two type two children, a nine-year-old boy and a seven-year-old girl. Our son wears glasses and a hearing aid, and he has a tough time in and out of school. He is like you described in your book, rowdy and loud, not showing a lot of common sense. Our daughter is the... I don't think I ever, just a little insert for me. I've never used the word rowdy and loud and not showing a lot of common sense in my book. <laughs> I'm sure I never said it that way. But mom, mom goes on. Our daughter is the exact opposite. She's eager to please and all of it has to be perfect or it's not good enough. She holds it all in, in until she can no longer do so and then she cries. How do we get our son to feel comfortable in himself and to tone it down? And how do we get our daughter to speak up when she needs to? I want to make sure, you know, you're not, you're describing a type two, a nine-year-old boy, your nine-year-old boy, you're saying he's rowdy and loud. 
That doesn't sound like a type 2 child to me. There is a blog post called The Ultimate Guide to Profiling Your Children Successfully. So have you correctly profiled your 9-year-old boy? That doesn't sound like a type 2. They don't usually have a rowdy, loud nature. They can get whiny and cranky and loud because they're whiny and cranky, but I wouldn't call a type 2 child rowdy. So I'm questioning your profiling of your son. So you might want to look into that. And the common sense part, um, you know, rowdy and loud would describe a type 3 child, but type 3 children have a ton of common sense. That's sort of something we type 3 people just have a practical approach to life, which lends itself to common sense. So I invite you to kind of reconsider your understanding of this information as well. And for your daughter, you know, both children are playing out extremes. You got one that's overs and one that's unders. So why are your children having to go to these extremes? Could your daughter be doing the other extreme because she doesn't want to get disciplined like her brother? So now she holds it all in because the brother's doing overs and she sees his being disciplined and getting into trouble and she doesn't want that. So she's going to do unders. But both your children are playing extremes. Why is there not more balance here? There needs to be more balance. Why, what is going on in your family situation that children are not being heard at a, in a balanced, reasonable way? That there's this, there's this intensity. There's overs and unders playing out here. Ask yourself that. You know, what's mom? Mom, are you as a type one running in such a frantic energy that your children really don't feel they can get your attention unless they're playing in these extremes? Maybe type one mom in this situation needs a little more order, a little more predictability, a little more structure, because type one moms can be running frantic. There's a frantic energy that gets created, and then children have to be counter to who they are in order to get mom's attention and get their needs met. So consider all of that. Claire is a type three mom that's calling in. Hi, Claire. Hi. Thanks for joining me today. You have a four-year-old type four child, and you want help with potty yeah. training. Yes. So um, my my little guy is mildly autistic. I say that because he's he's very high functioning, um, and I'm I'm quite certain he is a type four. And um, we've done well with potty training. We go number one in the toilet, but number two, he just. It's just it's just a huge struggle. He just won't I don't know if he can't figure it out. I think I think he knows he just won't, but um I'm, I'm not positive on that. Okay, couple couple things. What what value is that autistic label when in all, you know, every case I've ever seen and there sure certainly is a spectrum. But you know, I right. I'm you know, personally when you say he's high functioning autistic, he's probably just a type four kid. Okay. Honesty. <laughs> There's just been a phenomenon. I've been around long enough parenting. Autism didn't exist really. I mean, it existed. But boy, we didn't have billboards about it when I was raising kids. So I sort of have a little right. bit of a soapbox on this thing. And then I think it's interesting when parents kind of get up in arms to say, don't take away my child's, you know, diagnose, diagnosis. Right. I'm like, really? Don't you want it taken away? No, I would love someone to take away his they just take it away. He's probably just a type four child. And I think we're going right. along the same things, same theme I've been talking about with the other moms that have called in. 
it's embarrassing for him to do this. It's embarrassing. You know, it's like he doesn't know how to manage this. It's a very private function, going to the bathroom. Uh And how much conversation are you having around this in front of other people? How much is he hearing about it? And it's like, I just can't even do this. I'm just, it's an, see, type four people are all or nothing. Right. So he's playing out the nothing in this part of his potty training. I want, I want nothing to do with it. I want nothing to do with it. We shut down because it's not being, it's not being handled in a private enough manner. Okay. There's too Um, much conversation about it and it's not private conversations. Okay, so so it'd be best to just not just just leave it as it is. No, I mean, talk to him I, privately. Talk to him. He's four years old. Handle yeah. it all privately, all of it. This is a okay. private matter. Going to the bathroom is a very private activity. Um, let's come up with some ways to approach this that you feel that you're very that it's personal and it's private. Mommy won't talk about it anymore around other family members or out. We'll only talk about it in your room with the door closed. Create a lot of privacy. Okay, so that private. Okay, because I, you know, I think like, well, we try to just talk about it at home amongst our, you know, he has one little brother who's uh, 20 months old. Um, But, you know, and I even told him, like, you don't even have to. But you've never approached it as a private, you've never approached it as a private function. You've never said, oh, this is very private. It's very personal. I want to help you with something that's very personal, very private, going to the bathroom. Okay. I guess that's probably because he didn't approach number one that way, going, you know, going peeing in the toilet. He's, I mean, it took him a while to get the hang of it, but he, he eventually did. Um, so he doesn't, he's, He's very, I mean, he's very out in the open about that, <laughs> you know. Well, well and, I, and I told him, too. I, For some reason, this one's just a bigger deal. It smells. It's, it's a whole different thing. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> you know, people, okay. people, if you really, really had to go to the, you know, you didn't have a facility around, you really had to go to the bathroom, it'd be a lot easier to go pee somewhere. <laughs> In the bushes. Right. <laughs> right. I'm just saying. It's just a bigger thing. Right. Well, and, and you do bring up a good point because I, one of the struggles for me is that, you know, people will, people will make comments to me, like, like my mom and, and my grandmother that were around a lot. And every, you know, if he, has, he hears that. if he happens to have a poopy diaper when we're there, you know, they're like, oh, he's still. Yeah, you know how you know how embarrassing that is for him? That is so embarrassing yeah, for him. That okay. is so affecting his morale. And you know what? A lot of things happen in our children's life to teach us as parents how to parent them and approach them. And your big mm-hmm. lesson in this is there's a lot of matters in my son's life that need to be handled privately. And I'm getting, I'm learning how to do that with this. Okay. That's a that's a really oh. big deal for a type four child and a human being that there's just certain matters that need to be ha- handled in privacy. Well, thank you, everyone. Next week, we'll follow up with chores, how to motivate the type two child. You can look forward to the podcast summary being posted later this week on thechildwhisper.com. And 
I have a fun blog post that went up last week. It is the Child Whispers television debut. I was invited to be on a local talk show, um, The Place, which is on Fox News in Utah. And it was such a successful broadcast, they've invited me back to be there uh, on a monthly basis to be their parenting expert. So I'm going to be on Child Whispers, a television star now. This information is so valuable and so important to help parents. I want to thank all my moms for calling in today. You're all doing a great job, all doing the best you know how. I'm so excited that you're so motivated to continue to learn. Thank you to all the listeners that are continuing to learn how do we best parent the different natures in our child so they can really live true to themselves. So remember to follow me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the Carol Tuttle. Thanks for joining me today on the Child Whisper podcast. And until next time, create a wonderful week with your amazing family and make sure you share this with a mom, a mom and dad in need. As a teacher, healer, speaker, best-selling author of The Child Whisperer, and mother of five children, Carol Tuttle is honored to help you take the power struggle out of parenting and better understand the children in your life. If you'd like Carol to answer your question, call in next time or email your question to parenting at liveyourtruth.com. Carol invites you to learn more about the four types of children at thechildwhisperer.com and connect with her at thecarolblog.com. If you haven't read The Child Whisperer yet, get your copy through the Child Whisperer website and enjoy happier, more successful, more cooperative children.